I can't believe how many families are suffering from this disease. I now know that addiction is a family disease. I thought no one in my family was an addict. I still feel scared to death every day. I don't know how to be a parent anymore. These past few years have been absolutely the toughest time of my entire life. My wife and I don't agree, and this is another big problem. I don't want this to be a secret anymore. That makes it even worse. If I have shame and guilt, how can my daughter ever get better? Being with other parents is being with people who really get it, and that helps me a lot. I've met some incredible people. I can help other people, and I feel better every time I just talk about all this stuff with my group. My life is turned upside down. Even when my son isn't doing so well, we seem to be okay. Talking with other parents helps me stay sane and not to feel so lost and alone. There are good people, good places to get help for my daughter and for our entire family. I have hope. I have to. I am not giving up my daughter. I want to help others. I've met some of the most special human beings. I'm very grateful. Talking with the other parents is helping me to stay sane. Hi, everyone. My name's Steve, and my younger son is 31 years old and remarkably in recovery for a couple of years. And it is something that is unlike any other experience I've ever had in my life. Unfortunately, the experiences I had with him prior to this were also unlike any experiences uh, I've had. But having all of you has made a tremendous difference, and I'm really glad to, uh, to be with you this evening. Hi, everyone. I'm V. Um, yes, we uh, have two children, and uh, our son, who's in recovery, is, is doing well right now, and we're very proud of that and happy. Um, the holidays are looming. Um, I'm thinking about that a lot these days and uh, the holidays we've had in the past. Um, and they've been all over the place. So I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with all of you tonight about all those sorts of things. Hi, everybody. I'm Stephen, and I'm the father of five children, the youngest of whom has an alcohol use disorder. And as most of you know, it's been one hell of a wild ride um, from what felt like the depths of hell uh, to where we are today, which I'm so grateful to say my son is doing great. Um, he's seven years sober, he's 25, and he's working in the industry trying to help others mm -hmm. um, get to the place that he's at. And um, it's awesome to be here with all of you um, to have this meeting. Hi, I'm Jeff. Uh, uh, I'm married, have three kids. Uh, the, our first son uh, has, uh, is, as far as I know, 20 years sober at this point. He got sober before he was 21. Um, have a, a couple of nieces that I have various degrees of involvement with who have uh, uh, had significant addiction issues. Uh, and I have somewhat of a checkered past with alcohol myself. Uh, uh, and these meetings are very helpful to me. I am Kate, married to Jeff, and um, so we share three sons and um, two nieces, one of whom uh, were the primary support for her. 
and who um, had a, a multi-year drug addiction problem, got sober five years ago or uh, uh, went into recovery five years ago, um, but then has been in and out of relapse for the last um, two and a half years. And that's been quite stressful. Um, but, you know, we had a good holiday. You know, Thanksgiving was good. So I, you know, but I'm, I prepared a lot. So these meetings helped me prepare and get myself grounded and ready. And so I'm really glad to be here tonight. Hi, I'm Jill. I have twins who are 27. Uh, one of my boys is an alcoholic. He's coming up on four years of sobriety. Um, he's doing very well with his sobriety and with his life career-wise. He's currently involved with a woman who is severely mentally ill. And unfortunately, the relationship has become abusive on her end. She's hit him. She's become destructive. She's bitten him. And I find that the recovery tools that I have learned through my journey of recovery have been very instrumental and helpful uh, as, as I am parenting a child who is in an abusive relationship. Um, and it also shows me that just because he is sober, uh, his life has, has a, lot of, a lot to still go until he really is healthy in his life. So I'm really happy to be here tonight. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Shobna, I'm parent to a 23-year-old son. Uh, he's a recovering marijuana addict. He also has co-occurring mental health disorders. Um, he's newly sober, less than one year with, uh, with his sobriety. He is working and living independently. Um, I just wanted to say that this journey that I've been on is hopeful at times and scary mm -hmm. and isolating other times. So I'm very grateful to this parent group um, who understand and are very accepting. Um, and I'm so grateful for the wisdom that's found here. Hi, my name is Jay. I have two children. Uh, they're both in recovery. My son, about five years, my daughter, five and a half. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving with them and the extended family. It wasn't that many years ago where we didn't have such wonderful Thanksgivings. Um, so uh, happy to be here tonight. Look forward to our conversation as usual. My name is Vanessa Summer. I am uh, the lead family therapist at the Karen Treatment Centers. Thank you so much for having me as your guest today. Uh, just hearing everything that everyone's saying, I actually brought some tissues because it's it's amazing to hear these stories of hope and strength and experience. And what you're doing for families in sharing that. Um, I know there's a lot of families out there that benefit from this podcast, but most importantly, I appreciate being here to talk about a pretty uh, difficult topic at times. Um, so I hope to share uh, my strength and experience with this group. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here, Vanessa. Uh, your background is just perfect uh, for this meeting. So uh, we're really excited about tonight's meeting. Tonight's topic is triggers. And like probably many of you, I was first introduced to the word trigger when learning about my son's addiction. I learned that triggers were something he had to deal with in his recovery. Triggers were things like people, places, things, and emotionally charged situations that created risk that my son would use again. Triggers stirred up a desire for him to use, and they were effectively a lurking danger for him. 
And that all made sense to me. None of this stuff, these new words like triggers, had anything to do with me, of course. I was fine. My son had a tough journey ahead of him, and triggers were his problem. Except this entire experience with my son had such a huge impact on me that it, it turned out that I could be triggered, triggered into irrational fear, triggered into wanting to protect and help my son. The phone would ring at night, and a powerful fear trigger would hit me. Uh, my son would be struggling, and I would have this I need to protect him trigger. My son was being teased by his siblings, which happened all the time. I had a leave him alone trigger. There were so many things that happened during his active addiction, things like near-death experiences, many calls from school, car, a car accident, the police being called to the house. These powerful events conditioned me to be on high alert always. Before I knew it was happening, triggers got me to respond in irrational ways. And simple things could actually be, uh, could elicit an irrational response. I think I mentioned in a meeting probably a couple of years ago that I sent my text an invite to go to a Met game. And he texts back immediately, I'm down. And then I went to this huge spiral. Oh, my God, he's depressed. Oh, my, what are we going to do? And it turns out he was just saying, I'm ready to go. I'm down. So just like my son had to watch out for triggers that would put him at risk for using, I had to learn that I could easily be triggered for irrational behaviors and response. No doubt, my brain, I think, had been hijacked just like his. You know, it's so funny, Stephen, to hear you say that about the I'm down. And of course, you take it the wrong way because you're, you know, uh, sort of wired that way because of what you've been through. I remember going to meetings early on and um, thinking that I invented this notion that I felt as if I was suffering from PTSD or saying that I was cautiously optimistic. And then over the years, hearing so many other people say the exact same thing um, over and over again. I also, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I, I have found myself being triggered by um, things that uh, can't, don't really make sense. He calls, I'm triggered. He doesn't call, I'm triggered. You know, the opposite. Um, he doesn't want to go back to school. Ugh. He wants to go back to school. Double, ugh. you know, I, I have a list like that, that I could go through. Um, I even had to change his ringtone at one point because I had assigned him a, a sound. And as soon as I heard that sound, I, I, I would break out into, into sort of a sweat um, but then if he doesn't call, you know, so uh, it, it, it's it's just been an unbelievable journey and triggers is is for me, uh, maybe I'm the master of it, but it, it it still is, to be honest, right under the surface. Yeah. I agree with I, you. I mean, everything you said just resonated. So thank you for that share. Yeah, or I'm bored. Oh, he's bored. Oh, he's too busy. Oh, no, he's too busy. You know, <laughs> I think that um, I was told by by counselors that money was a terrible trigger, had the potential. And and I think I. I then realized how much discussion there was about money. Throughout this entire period, and it was about 
me providing funds. That was the discussion. And that went on push and pull for years. And even today, when there is a discussion that's financial, mm. I'm like, all right, what's coming now? Is it really about snow tires? Or is it maybe about something else? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take much, even after years now, a few years of recovery, to get right back to that anxiety moment, to feel right back in the same spot as if it was all happening all over again. Mm -hmm. And that was the power of these, of these triggers that, that incited tremendous anxiety for me. Yeah. I think everything that the group is speaking to is um, not only a natural experience, but when we hear the word triggers, we almost assume, and I'm going to say the word, that we're going to move into a craving phase and it's going to turn into a relapse process. And if that's, if there is a fear that families have, that is the worst potential fear because a relapse means a return back to the whole cycle of addiction. It was said in the group already that, you know, there is the family recovery is um, is something that I think we need to speak more to. A lot of times we talk about addiction as a family disease, but we don't talk about the family recovery because there are substantial changes family is making. But you all kind of came out with a few things that even tell families in our program as far as pointers. And one of them is to know your own feelings, know yourself. Because as some of you said, there there is an irrational fear that's attached to uh, a real experience. And so I loved what V said, like, you know, here I'm sitting here going, if he doesn't call, is that a trigger? Is he does call, is that a trigger? And it's it's knowing your own stuff, really, um, because one of the things about that is we can work through where does that come from? You know, at times it's even okay to say, I need some space. You're talking about snow tires and it's okay to say, I need to take some time to think about, do I really want to do this? Can I actually manage this? Is there a way I can do it that I am able to realize that it could just be snow tires or we potentially are dealing with other issues. But I also say, look at the history that you're building with your loved ones. If you're not seeing patterns of behavior that are familiar to you as far as the addictive process, and they're coming to you and saying, I really need help with snow tires, chances are it's just snow tires. But it's okay to say, I need time to like think about what this is going to mean, communicate your needs. Because if your loved one's coming to you and talking about things that are triggering them, there's one thing I want you to remember, they trust you enough to be able to have those hard discussions. So the two main pointers is know your own feelings and know you need some, if you need some space, it's okay to ask for that. Thanks, Vanessa. That That's really such great advice. Um, and I love that we have labeled this responding in an irrational way because it truly is irrational when, when I get triggered. Um, for me, I've worked really hard to learn how to stay in my own lane and to learn how to speak to my son in a new way. However, I get triggered when he starts to express negative emotions mm -hmm. because the old him and the old me was he would express negative emotions and I couldn't stand to see my son uncomfortable. Yeah. And I would just take all that shit in and I would just 
absorb all of his negative emotions, he'd probably go and just like drink or get high and forget about it, but Mm -hmm. I'd ruminate on it and it would eat me up inside. And I would obsess on this and I would spend days trying to figure it out and try to solve it for him. And when I brought it up to him again, it was a Mm non-issue. And even though I could rationally recognize that I was just the dumping ground for him to express all that negative emotion and get it out of him. Mm-hmm. I internalized it. So, you know, n- jump ahead to recovery and we're learning this whole new relationship and this new dance of being together. And then he will say something like, Oh, mom, you know, I got so frustrated and that those words just immediately bring me back to it. They are triggers for me mm. and I have to work really hard to not absorb it and just to listen and be present in the moment. But it's really hard to do that. I love what you said, Jill. Um, Yeah. And uh, be too, you know, if my son calls, he called yesterday and my first reaction was, oh, what is wrong? It's almost eight o'clock. Why is he calling me so late? (laughs) I go to bed real early. So, um, but then he just called to say something, you know, he was just going to uh, tell me about a funny story that happened at work, but I was so aware of my reaction. I just, you know, grabbed the phone, ran into the bedroom. Like I, I'm just like yeah. prepared for the worst. Um, and then he was also very upset about something and then he resolved it some way. And then he was scared that he might be in trouble or something. And every part of me wanted to like solve it and mm. fix it. Um, but you know, I'm still learning like the right words to say um, that will help him, you know, like to put it back on his shoulder, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I'm still learning. And another big trigger for me is uh, my my ex is not conducive to this program. He doesn't believe in any of this. Mm-hmm. So when my kids visit him, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big trigger for me. Mm-hmm. What if, you know, he, they said something that, you know, like, to talk down to his 12-step program or you know and and I have to step back and say you know just like I have recovery and I have sponsors and whoever who are helping me through this and my parents support groups I have to mm-hmm. have faith that he has his support system and I'm not part of it but yeah. he's in a in a good space and you know the feeling of powerlessness is is huge you know I uh Vanessa, you mentioned about knowing what you're feeling and being willing to have those hard conversations around that. And I will say, I find the holidays a tremendous trigger. It's just enormous for me. The gathering of everybody, how much time I spent on eggshells, Mm -hmm. trying to make everybody happy, that great peacemaker role that I played, you know, and, and, to be in touch with what I'm feeling is difficult work when Mm -hmm. I'm in peacemaker mode and trying to separate out that role from me is really difficult. And, you know, and when I spend a lot of time in my recovery working on what do I want, what am I feeling? So it's a huge trigger for me right now. Yeah. So equating my um, reactions uh, with with my addicts, with my qualifiers, um, 
I can only imagine how it feels when they're triggered. Our son was home many years ago for the first time in a long time. And he was only home to go to court the mm. next day. He was coming home, sleeping over, going back. And um, a friend of his came to visit, uh, an old girlfriend who was a very good influence. And it was really wonderful. Everything was great. I felt fine, no issue. We got upstairs, get ready to go to bed, and he went to the bathroom. Mm. And I went nuts. Everything was fine. The minute the bathroom door closed, I couldn't deal with it. My wife and I were looking at each other like, what the hell's going on in there? Because there was never a time that he went in that bathroom. We didn't spend an awful lot of time in the evening. And I never quite knew what he was doing in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he came out of the bathroom and went to sleep, like (laughs) most normal people do before they go to sleep. (laughs) But it just came on me with no warning. Boom. It like got hit in the head. And I can only imagine what a trigger to a uh, uh, an active uh, uh, substance abuser is. It was powerful for me. And I, I also I appreciate what the group is sharing. I mean, there are a few people talked about other family members, and I'm going to come to what Jay said, but I just want to say I going through my own process, learning about addiction so that I could be a more uh, thoughtful and um, and provide better education, but also through my own process of recovery, I realized I don't, um, I used to fault people that wanted normalization around substance use. They wanted the addict alcoholic just to be a normal person again, or they wanted to be able to celebrate in the traditional or typical ways we did as a family. And I used to get really angry at that. And what I started to realize is like, I can't beat myself up for having those feelings or making an error or as kind of Kate said, like really being uh, in a place of uh, anxiety around that. What I had to do was take some time out and really learn like what was what was attached to that. What did I have to hold on to in regards to maybe some control that I felt I could uh, elicit if I uh, could possibly correct that family member or I could manage the experience of the addict alcoholic while they were in a stressful situation? And what I kind of realized is like, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to sometimes overreach. And mostly what I need to realize is to be gentle on myself, take a step back and maybe take care of myself before the event happens so that I'm going into it with a little less stress. What Jay was talking about, I think, is something that a lot of family members um, really speak to often is the old addictive behaviors. And when they see those things happen, such as you gave the example of your son going into the bathroom, it's a physical reminder of that pain, of that anxiety, of that fear Uh, And I think what you did was really appropriate just to speak to it with someone who could understand it and support you through it. Um, But I think if we follow the trigger back to the origin of where we first experience it, we get in touch with some things that may not always be comfortable. And that's what I spoke to originally is like what we get in touch with is maybe we still hold a judgment on ourselves for uh, underreacting the first time or not seeing things um, that were as uh, presentable as far, as far as some addictive behaviors. Um, but I think it's it, the key thing is not to ignore 
what your experience is and to speak to it. You know, when I think of uh, triggers, one of the things I think of is uh, uh, that's a little bit different. It's almost regressing to something that makes you regress to the old way you used to behave. Mm-hmm. And it's not just addicts. I've noticed years ago, when I go back to my family, I act the way I did when I was yeah. a lot younger. I'm the younger brother. I'm immature. I defer to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I really act very differently around my family of origin than I do away from them. Uh, uh, that's just, you know, when I was around them, that's the way I acted. And, you know, when I go back, I do the same thing. And so when I think of triggering in particular with addicts, when they were with their friends, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And if they're near their friends, they're going to do it. Uh, uh, you know, so it may not be something that upsets them. That's just what they're used to doing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people that have problems with stuff like that, you know, they can't go, go down the street cause they always used to go down that street and walk into that bar. And they don't yeah. want to walk past that bar because uh, uh, you can just do it out of habit. You know, I go back yeah. to my old habits in certain situations. And sometimes if old habits are good, a lot of times they're not good. Uh, uh, I think my spouse can attest to going back to my family is bad for me. Uh, has nothing to do with substances. It's just, you know, I get immature and I, I do a lot of things uh, that are bad for our marriage. Uh, and that's how I think of a lot of the, the triggering is just those old patterns that I'm used to and I go back to and it's bad. And the same thing, you know, for a person with substance abuse, man, those old patterns are dangerous. Vanessa, when you were speaking before, the words that came to my mind were uh, be kind to myself. And and you kind of said that and, and I had this moment of, yeah, I, I have permission to be kind to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I probably like many women, um, I'm a people pleaser. I want to make my family of origin happy. Um, and I realized that it's not always the most healthy thing for my son to put him back in, in that environment. And he doesn't want to be back in that environment. And over the last several years, I've had to make some very strong decisions to put my son's needs first over, um, larger family gatherings. Um, and I've had to do that at the expense of my family of origin, my mother, my cousins, my sister, my aunt and uncle. Um, but we've chosen to sort of protect and keep our immediate family and make that stronger and not put my son in a situation that would absolutely be a trigger for him. Just as you were saying, Jeff, putting my son back in those family environments where he just didn't feel good about himself. I I will not do that to him again. So thank you for, for letting me have that moment of, yes, I should be kind to myself and I, I am doing the right thing. You know, it's interesting, Jill. Um, I have similar feelings, but my kids have been in those environments and, um, and the longer they're sober, the more they're comfortable in them. This Thanksgiving was one was the best Thanksgiving my family has had uh, since my son was born in 29 years ago. Um, it was incredible. His cousins were there. They're all accomplished. They're all fancy graduate schools. And and my son has a GED. And um, it was very, very comfortable. I don't yeah. think it would have been a number of years ago. And he wouldn't have come. We would not mm-hmm. have expected him to be there. 
uh, we didn't expect him to be here now. It's just his choice, but uh, we knew he would. And same with my daughter. Um, so it's maybe your son will be comfortable at some point in time and he'll share that with you. Gives me hope. So, um, yeah, Jay, uh, on a couple of points that you made, I mean, my son actually would be angry with me now because he is so comfortable if yeah. I created restrictions um, on other people, because in some ways he's comfortable enough in his sobriety that he doesn't want to feel othered, you know, that he's the, mm-hmm. the reason why certain things aren't happening. So I think that's a, that's a, uh, a really strong sentiment that, you know, it started pretty early on, you know, he was in very, very early recovery and, you know, so what I ended up doing was saying, well, it's not for you. It's for me. I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. because his he was really like, you know, very vocal about it. The other thing that you said, um, Jay, that really struck me was, you know, I was talking about triggers, but you talked about like how powerful they are. And I think the power of the triggers, you know, it never really it didn't strike me until you said it, because for me being triggered, um, it takes a while to kind of get my arms around it, to kind of recover, um, you know, to really understand what's going on. Um, And, you know, the addiction trigger, I can only imagine, is orders of magnitude more difficult. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it just brings me to, you know, this, this feeling of an incredible amount of respect for how um, difficult the process is and how much uh, the people who have gotten into, you know, long-term recovery have actually done to unwind those triggers or to at least mitigate them enough where they don't actually get acted on. You know, it's interesting, Stephen. Um, my, I learned, uh, uh, I, I equate triggers and cravings similarly, like, uh, like Vanessa said, and I learned uh, uh, quite a long time ago from um, <clears throat> the owner of a treatment facility that was overseeing my son, and he took a liking to my son. Most people didn't, um, and he he said, "Jay," and this fellow was in recovery himself. He said, "Jay, you can't imagine how powerful cravings are to <laughs> to an addict." He said. A normie just can't imagine what it's like. I've learned, I've remembered that ever since. And I was at an education program at another, uh, not Karen's. I've been to Karen's a number of times. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. That was another one. And the woman equated it to putting a bag over someone's head and tying it. And what they would do to get that bag off their head. She said, that is similar to what a heroin addict will do to get heroin when he's triggered and has cravings. It's so powerful. I I believed what they said. So, you know, you just reminded me also of um, an event that I went to where Sarah Martinez talked about her cravings. It was one of the most poignant and powerful personal stories I had ever heard. And it was all about that out of control phase where you know, she really, you know, she she just had no control. Um, and, you know, getting triggered was, you know, a mild way to describe what she went through. 
I also um, appreciated, Vanessa, that you, you mentioned to, that it's good to think about the origin of the feeling, you know, mm -hmm. when you were originally triggered. And um, I realized that for me, um, you know, um, my son has good qualities and not such strong qualities mm -hmm. and uh, strengths and weaknesses, just as I do. Um, and just because he's sober right now, uh, doesn't mean that all those things are ironed out. And yeah. um, I was touched by what you said, Jill, about your son who's in recovery right now, um, but behaving in a way that worries you on another level, you know, with, yeah. with his current relationship. Uh, been there as well. Um, our son was never good with money, never. I mean, he wasn't good with a dollar allowance. He would just spend it on all the candy, you know, or whatever, um, or lose it or give it to a friend. I mean, he just never was uh, someone to be good about things like that. And a lot of the qualities that he had uh, before he got um, uh, in trouble with with substances are are still things he has trouble with. So so when I hear Steve talk about the snow tires, I know mm -hmm. where it's coming from and I, I appreciated it as well, but he would never be a 31 year old who will have saved enough money to buy himself four new sets of snow tires. I, I can guarantee you that he probably never will be. Um, but not to say that I don't see an enormous amount of uh, progress and growth, mm -hmm. but um, some things, and I hear other parents talk about this too, that their, their, their child has this, that is it, this is an opportunity to iron out every deficit their child ever had, you know, yeah. and it, it just, um, it, it's not like that for them. And I don't think it's like that. It's not like that for him. I should say, it's not like that for me either. So I, I would just say that, that this is not a joke. A family walks into a bar, a restaurant, and the maitre d' who knows them greets them. And in his hand are four shots of tequila. Mm. It's a Mexican restaurant. And myself, V, and our two sons are standing there with four shots of tequila in our hand and a joyous Mexican restaurant owner we've known for years toasting us my blood pressure increased mm. at a rate not previously known okay yeah. and my son toasted i looked at him he said don't worry dad i got this toasted and then he put after everyone let their drink daddy put it on the side and i thought that was an example of his recovery was ahead of mine and one of the most powerful experiences I've had through this process is that I have developed, I have finally honed worrying skills at a degree I never could have imagined I would become the master worrier. So mm. I've got topics and issues I can worry about now all the time because of this practice I had for years where there were really big stuff to worry about mm -hmm. and there's lesser stuff today for which I'm grateful to really worry about. I, I think my word for that, Steve, would be obsess, you know, mm -hmm. and usually when my head hits the pillow and then I can get very squirrely on that pillow. <laughs> um, 
you know, B, you you mentioned something about you mean my addict doesn't become perfect when they go into recovery. Mm-hmm. What? And you know, one of the things that I that really came home to me this past weekend celebrating this holiday was um, my niece's. Uh, you know, clearly had made a decision. She was going to come and she was going to get along. She was going to be, uh, you know, sort of not cause drama. She's famous for drama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she did it. She did it for three days. And then she was itching for that fight. You know, she departed. And I get that nasty text message. And I thought, I started to get squirrely. I st- and then I pulled myself back and I thought, you know, maybe that's all she can do. She showed up. She showed up for three days. Why isn't that enough for me? Mm-hmm. Why isn't that enough for me? And, yeah. you know, and that's sort of what I'm, you know, decided to take away from my trigger. You know, when I got that text message, I have enough recovery not to respond at this point. I recently yeah. acquired, but, you know, <laughs> but, but I, you know, I do have to think, why do I get so judgy? Why do I want so much? Why do I want that perfection? Why do I think recovery means that they're, you know, that they're going to be perfect? It's a silly, yeah. it's a silly thing. I think, Kate, if you think of even what the word recovery means, we have this idea that it manifests and that we recover the ideal of the relationship that we wanted. And to see them happy means we're going to be happy. And the reality is recovery is maybe getting back to some core values, being able to be honest with yourself, honest with others, open to what is actually going to help you in staying secure in your recovery, being trustworthy again. And so I really recognize and appreciate that you kind of took a step back and said, I got to look for the things that are small and sometimes a little more delicate where, you know, she is spending time with me and being more present in that. I think the tough thing is in recovery and as family members, we do this to ourselves too. We judge like we're not doing this well enough. We're not receiving them warmly enough. Um, We blame ourselves. We blame them or we criticize the situation we're in. And sometimes the most effective thing we can do is strangely enough, just listen to the person who is telling us the difficulties they're having at times or the little joys that they're finding or what it's like that um, someone actually trusted them with uh, a part of their lives Um, or getting that job again, even if it seems like a remedial job, just finding some resource um, to take care of themselves. And so I always say the small wins are really big ones because those were the things we were hoping for when active addiction was, was occurring. We were just hoping for like the really small things. I always said I wanted to worry about simple things like if the car worked and they got to work okay and like they had a good lunch, that would be great. Um, so I appreciate what you're saying, like, but we still look for that elevation and it comes, but it takes, it takes time. Thank you. Thank you, Vanessa. You know, I'm just listening here and, um, you know, to, to Jill's point about, um, you know, my, you know, my own anxieties, my, uh, what, what, what do I want to do and how, you know, my own dreams, how I had envisioned things mm-hmm. to have been and my 
thought process was that recovery was going to restore it back to to mm-hmm. that point and it's not okay. it's a new it's a new kind of living it's a new kind of thinking um and what was old you know obviously wasn't working so mm-hmm. we can't put you know a bandaid on it and call it done it's just new and in my case there's a lot of culture to it um and it, unfortunately it's you know not looked you look well my son is actually more accepted in my immediate family and family of origin than me i'm estranged mm. so it really really triggers me when my kids go to my brother's house or you know my then that that is even more worrisome for me um because no nobody believes in recovery or family recovery or you know that this is a disease um mm-hmm. you know my dad himself is an alcoholic and nobody talks about it it's an elephant in the room that nobody mentions mm-hmm. so those are all very triggering for me and i do go into this shell and like kate said the holidays are very difficult mm-hmm. you know due to different circumstances i don't get to see my kids on thanksgiving mm-hmm. and it's difficult to just not have my kids and this is not what hallmark is telling me what a family gathering should look like mm. and uh you know every movie you see and everything you see on tv and every ad is talking about these huge family gatherings and people are mm. smiling and my life is not reflective of that mm. and then i go into that spiral of blaming myself what did i do wrong or why do i deserve mm. this and then i have to bring myself back you know yeah. these are good situations my son is in a good place my daughter is in a good place and i'm not with them right now they're older yeah. and i have to actually like speak myself down from that ledge whatever it is that i climbed into yeah. but this is a great topic so um i'm going to go out on a limb here um when i first saw that we were going to be talking about triggers i thought about things that we're talking about that everyone else was probably thinking about and i really try to bring myself back to the good stuff um there are good triggers mhm uh, when i go to a baseball game i think of my daughter and son and my daughter's sober bff that we went to 3 years in a row now we've gone to a met game um and when i think of that it's almost as good as the other triggers are bad this thanksgiving this past thanksgiving will be something that i will remember and i'll think about once in a while mm-hmm. and i may even think about it when i need to think about something that's good um i i try to remember and hold on tight uh my son was was an active addiction for a very long time and homeless for a very long time yeah. and uh my wife and i it took a while but we got to a place where we were living a life um because we were or at least from my vantage point i was able to remember a lot of good things instead of focusing on what he may or may not have been doing because i didn't know what he was doing um i could have gone down a bad path and and i think about it once in a while and it's not a great thought so there are good triggers it just doesn't yeah. seem to coincide that often with the triggers yeah. that we talk about and that our children think about when they're being triggered. I like that Jay. I I have to remember that one of the reasons I'm working really hard to create new memories is to get those 
good triggers. Um, I don't want to live in the past and I don't want to try to recreate the past. Um, you know, one of the things as I was listening to something Shobana said, and I realized that I had tons of expectations and dreams and what I thought my son's life should look like mm-hmm. and recovery has absolutely given me permission to let go of all of that. And I feel good about it. I actually feel less anxious and less pressure to have to make him into something that I thought he should be. He is happy with the life he has created for himself. And I have learned to accept the small stuff and, and, and not, not from a, well, I'm accepting the small stuff because that's all I got. I am happy with the simple stuff. I am happy with the simple life that he has for himself. And if that's what he needs right now to stay sober and to feel good about his life, um, it it has absolutely helped me change my priorities. Um, You know, I I will throw in a brief aside, perhaps inappropriately. We've talked about the holidays and and family and, uh, and Hallmark. And one of my favorite cartoons was a big restaurant with a sign, family style restaurant. And in lowercase below it, it said a fight at every table. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know that, that you don't have to have, you know, addiction types of issues for, for yeah. holidays and family to be to be horror stories in many cases. Yeah. But uh, but I do want to focus on what Jay just said. You know, the, the good triggers. You're right. I, I never hear people talk about that. And you're 100 percent, Jay. Right, Jay. That. Uh, uh, there are things that do make you feel warm and, and fuzzy. And if you can think of something with your, uh, uh, with your family members or loved ones that you think is going to work, to go mm-hmm. out of your way to do that is really a wonderful thing. And, and the type of thing that we can do that's good for us and good for our family or, or qualifiers, whoever, uh, uh, something like the Mets game. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Uh, and in fact, some people would say a Mets game would be a bad trigger for most people, but obviously not for you. Uh, uh, you know, but working at that, you know, some, you know, my wife will talk about, you know, working the solution, you know, gee, mm-hmm. you know, not just, you know, well, uh, this is bad. Say, gee, what would be better? What can we do that will work? And let's go have fun. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, just make sure it's not a bar. Uh, they did, I they love didn't the like idea the Christmas trigger. lights all that much, honey. <laughs> you know, we went to a, a Yankee Red Sox game at Fenway Park last summer. And boy, do they drink a lot of beer. And you don't notice it until you're sitting <laughs> yeah. next to a sober alcoholic. Boy, do they drink a lot of beer at baseball games. <laughs> I just want to want to applaud you a little bit, Jay, which I don't do enough. But um, I think for me, um, falling prey to those bad triggers has become a bad habit. And um, uh, I don't do it as much as I used to. But um, I I think that um, with more good stuff coming down the pike, it uh, it's something I definitely need to work on, but I I I think um, making a habit of focusing on the good stuff, which I yeah. I also do, but it is a bad habit to allow myself to be so easily triggered by the not so so good things that um, were in the past, and uh, to just you know it's a new day and I've got to move forward, and that's what I love about getting together with all of you because at any given time. 
in a in a parent support group, there are people in the group that have been where I've been and, and people that are uh, ahead of me and behind me and uh, alongside of me in my experience. And, uh, and we, all our experiences seem to change a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I was there yesterday, but now I'm here today, you know, or you were in that place, but, you know, and, you know, we talk about relapse, like you said, Vanessa, the scary mm -hmm. elephant in the room, we do talk about that. And mm -hmm. it looms, you know, it's, it's, it's always there. And, uh, you know, many of us have experienced it with our loved ones more than once. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the good, the good habit of enjoying what is in the present at the moment is, mm -hmm. is uh, my takeaway from tonight. V, all I'll tell you is I've walked this path with you a long time and there's a lot of good stuff. It's not just happening. Yeah. If you'd yeah. like, I'll share a lot of the good stuff that you lived through with your son. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Great stuff. Yeah, sure. Great stuff. I, I think it's a it's a gift though, it's a perspective. You know, I agree with V, you know, right. Jay, that that's a it's a beautiful perspective. And you know, if we could only be triggered in a positive way, the way we're vulnerable to the negative way. Mm -hmm. So if we can figure that out. Yeah. It would be just awesome. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah, I didn't want to um, end on that. So Jay, that was such a great suggestion. Um, yes, you know, there's a lot of good things that do happen. Uh, the day that my son doesn't call me or that, you know, I don't have mm -hmm. to notice the dishes that he leaves in the sink for me that used to really trip me up big time. Mm -hmm. You know, those are all good things. And I'm glad that he's living by himself. He has an apartment yeah. that he's paying for and a phone that he pays for and a car that he pays for yeah. and um, insurance. You know, these, there's a lot of good things that are happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially in this season of Thanksgiving, it's a great, um, it's a good point. And we, to your point, you know, we're like so, scared i think it's that fear that just grips us like one small thing and you know our mind just goes running into every yeah. possible scenario that can go wrong and it doesn't automatically go into this could be a good thing right like when my son calls i could say hey this yeah. could be good news it never occurs yeah. to me but <laughs> good point. so so shobna i am um, i always have my cell phone on for years, mm. I never turn it off. And the phone would ring, the pulse would increase. I'd look at the clock, what time it was, and think, what now? And one of the great gifts of recovery is that now I always still keep the phone on. I don't want to miss a call. Yeah. I don't want to miss a, 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 a story being told to me, a question. Even if it is about snow tires, yeah. it really is about snow tires. I don't want to miss any, any of that. And just this afternoon, I'm holding a cup of coffee. It's raining. I'm holding the umbrella and the phone rings. And I reach in my pocket because I don't want to miss it. And it's him. And it's a great tale to be told. And, and yeah. it's a whole, it's a whole different different experience to to be able to savor that and it's yeah. not based on fear it's based on the new reality the new new uh, mm -hmm. reality so you guys are killing us did he buy the damn snow tires or not <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait for other meanings to uh, discuss the, 
the I result of the uh, of the uh, snow tires. I didn't think snow <laughs> tires got used much anymore. I thought you just have radials and front wheel drive. Yeah. <laughs> that was the day. I'm I'm sort of thinking about the first time I ever walked into one of these meetings and how afraid I was. And who knew that five years later, this these meetings over the course of five years would become so uplifting for me, would become, you know, you're talking about positive triggers, a positive trigger. I look forward to Tuesday nights. I look forward mm-hmm. to these, you know, I, you know, it makes it really reminds me of what I have to be grateful for. And I'm so thankful. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that, you know, Jay, you know, and everybody hopping on that, you know, train of the good trigger story. It's yeah. uplifting. And that's what yeah. I feel like I get the most from. And I, I, I do want to add in that, you know, to recognize that not every craving, not every trigger is is necessarily going to be acted on by a person in recovery. The, the reality simply is they're going to experience triggers. They're going to experience cravings as part of the process. But what this group is doing right here is recovery. That talking about the things that keep you up at night, the things that trouble you still, looking for uh, solutions in other people's strength. And I agree with what the group is saying. Like a lot of times we get stuck in the uncomfortable negative feelings as a way to try to resolve them or solve them. And sometimes we just need to entertain them and move into the things that we want to presently be experiencing, which could be a great cup of coffee, even in the rain, just recognizing that life is still pretty good. And our loved ones, they are trying the hardest that they can every single day to be sober. And sometimes when they reach out to you, that is part of their plan to manage what their experience is. Um, so yeah, talking about these things. And if you're a newcomer listening to this, realize that recovery is showing up in this group by talking about what is uncomfortable and sometimes uncommon, but necessary. You know, recovery has literally helped me recover my memories. Um, for the years of my son's active addiction, all I could remember was the crap. That's yeah. all I focused on. And not just the years of his, like the crap during his addiction, but, you know, his whole life to me, it was all crap. And recovery helped me to literally remember that there were some beautiful times in our lives. There were some yeah. wonderful experiences and, you know, just remembering all the bad stuff was, was really yeah. destructive to me. So recovery truly helped me recover my memories back. So one thing that didn't come up tonight, which um, which I think about, um, when my child is triggered or when I'm triggered, there's a plan. Put the mm-hmm. plan in place. Yeah. Call the, you know, use the phone. Call your, your sober network. Mm-hmm. Call my, my parent network. Um, change a muscle, change a thought. Yeah. There's, there's, there's yeah. plans that go in place. And, and when I'm triggered, which I, I'm happy to say, I'm not that often anymore. Um, I, I do something about it because yeah. uh, it won't go away by itself for me. No. Uh, it needs, I need help. I need someone's help. Um, and I think that's what my son and my daughter learned in, 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 uh, in all the programs they've been to. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, Jay. I, I was thinking the same thing that even if 
everything that um, we've enjoyed of recent years is to go to hell. I will never go back to the place that I started from. I, I will. Yeah. I will always uh, be be one leg up. You know, with all of you. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. It is. It is incredible to be together, and that is something that is cherished by me, and I know all of you in a way that's simply remarkable. It feels good to be together. It's always good to gather. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. This is a podcast by parents for parents. We are not professionals, but parents offering our own experiences with the hope that it might help others. We are not experts, and our words are our own, with views not necessarily shared by care and treatment centers. Nothing that we offer in our comments should be considered instructional or diagnostic. Definitely not treatment. And it is not specific to any particular person. Just our general thoughts based upon our own experiences with our family members. Please visit, call, consult with healthcare professionals, your doctor, and other qualified specialists. And do not change what your healthcare professional advises based upon anything you heard a parent say in this podcast. We are not addiction experts. Just parents sharing our personal experiences with other parents.